From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland Edition for the week of September 13th, 2012. I'm your host, Tom Bell, and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Wayne Toygo, Mary Jo Malata-Willi, and Tony Spatel. In this segment, Nancy and Mary Jo are going to take us way back to the early days of Anaheim at Disneyland. You guys went to a fun event today, didn't you? We did. It we was did. a lot of fun. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the event and then tell us what happened. Okay. We got wind from Kevin Kidney and Jody Daly that a friend of theirs was going to be speaking at the Anaheim Historical Society. And Charles Phoenix is known for his retro um, research. He's got a couple books out about um, retro culture in... um, Southern California and California in general. And then he's also got another book about um, just across the United States, retro 1950s kind of culture. You know, there's a whole new fan base for this kind of culture popping up all around the country these days with, you know, the resurgence of swing, dancing, and, you know, and all that. It's just kind of... You know, so we don't forget the past kind of things. Well, kind of like the dapper days that they just had. Kind of like the dapper days that that they just had. So, Charles Phoenix is a comedian. He's a historian. And he is a big Southern California pop culture Disney fan. And he does slideshow presentations for different parts of the Los Angeles area. And this one, in particular, was Anaheim from the 50s, right around the time Disney opened, Disneyland opened, and sort of in the 50s to to early 60s, he focused on how Anaheim has influenced Disneyland and how Disneyland influenced the development of Anaheim. And, you know, everybody likes to go reminisce, you know, what used to be there? What is it now? Is anything left? Everybody does that for their cities, no matter who you are. And he went ahead and took us through a little tour of this. So... Charles got up there, and his first half of his presentation talked about Anaheim in general. And he talked about a little bit of the architecture. You know, in the 50s, there were kooky hotels. There were all kinds of new developments springing forth. You know, it was quite the era of um, prosperity, you know, post-war. And so there are some very distinct patterns that is also a big era for neon. Exactly. Very big signs. Um, you know, we talk about neon in Cars Land and the influence that neon signs had in route, you know, down Route 66. Well, same thing in Southern California. Southern California came from a car culture, so you've got lots of motels, lots of motor lodges, travel inns, things like that. And you've got lots of people coming and settling in an area. That was a big era of expansion for Anaheim, obviously. So Walt built Disneyland. And one of the things he showed us early on was a picture of Disneyland with all of the orange groves. It was an aerial shot from the backside, from... From where the ranch that Tony was, Tony talked about in our other segment this week about the half marathon and the route and some of the things you get to see, you could see the ranch house building that's still there, and that kind of gave you perspective. Wasn't that one thing that was left, or yes, yeah. it's still there. It's yeah. uh, the Pope yep. Ranch, but it's in the picture that Nancy's talking about. It's surrounded by orange groves and. You literally see the individual trees in the aerial photographs. Nice. This is this so, is their survey shot, right? The one the one that No, this is always... after they were done after it's built. Oh. 
Okay. This is a, a, a post brand new. You know, the parking lot's full. It's oh, looking south. Oh, oh. This, is, this is from the north side of Disneyland, looking south. So you see in the foreground the orchard, the orange groves. Excuse me, the post ranch. The is, then is the hotel in yet? No. So it's within the first couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Everything he showed us was within the first couple of years. Neat. And except, you know, he showed us like after the hotel had been put in, you know, he had one or two slides of one slide of the monorail um, station that used to be at the Disneyland Hotel, the depot, which had the the hotel cafe yeah, um, underneath it, you know, the diner. But anyway, and so, you know, you've got this thing that's just been built and so now you've got people who want to live close to it to work at it. You've got a community springing up, and you've also got tourism springing up. So he talked about some of the hotels that were designed and kind of played on the Disney theme. There were such things as what, Mary Jo, they had... Um, the Peter Pan Hotel, yep. or motel. Yep, uh, they had the... Um, Princess the Lady Motel. Leatrice, yeah, the Princess Motel and the Lady Leatrice Motel. And a lot of these hotels did a classic A-frame architecture style, in, especially in the uh, check-in and the, mm-hmm. the motel office. And then some of them actually went and took that another step further, and there was the Pyramid Hotel that was A-shaped. Huh. That one was hilarious because that one had... Well, I would say the camel was at least a story high with a, a ladder and a platform. And the uh, the sign on the motel, part of the you know enticement to stay there was, come ride our camel. And so nice. <laughs> very, very funny. Now, did he, did he show any pictures of hotels that are still there? Yes, um, as a matter of fact. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about one really important one because... Um, two of them actually, Nancy. That well, people he owns four. Go to a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He he actually talked about a couple of them that are there and still there, and then he showed pictures of their current incarnation. But let me um, let me suffice it to say that he also wanted to focus on a couple more things that um, that were important. Too, as far as the, the motel development, like besides all these great neon signs, they also had painted signs where you could see, you know, a specific scene, say it was too complicated to do in neon. The Sandman Motel was one of those. And that was remarkable because that was the last hotel with a painted sign to be up. But there are a few of our favorite motels that are still there now. Um, the Candy Cane. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell a little bit more about that later between day one and now. The Alpine Motel is still there. Oh, God. <laughs> it's got wow. a little bit different. Speaking of was, theming, yeah. Yeah, it, it has, you know, the roof is white with, like, snow dripping icicles off of it. And then there the, the biggest, most interesting one of all, which we'll talk about in, in a minute, was the uh, Stovall Inn of Tomorrow. And that was a best, the Stovall Best Western. Mm-hmm. Stovall actually owned four different hotels. The Stovall, um, I can't remember what his first name was. And he put interesting architecture in all of them. And he also was the first before the, the art system was set up. He had a shuttle bus that went between his hotels. And the shuttle bus was hysterical. Mary Jo, do you yes. want to talk about it? Oh, the, the, the shuttle that picked people up was in a, it was a van and it had a face. The, of course, the windshield were, were the eyes. It had eyelashes, had a smiling, big chrome smiling mouth with a tongue sticking out. Nice. It was hilarious. And and the nose, which looked like an upturned pickle. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so would, if he, he would go from um, the all four hotels to Disneyland. And like Nancy said, that was the, I believe, the first shuttle that was that would take the guests to the hotel, I mean, to Disneyland. Yep. Nowadays, everybody pretty much has the, the little shuttles that go back and forth on the drop-off. But these were interesting, to say the least. A couple influences that 
Disneyland had, obviously, on these hotels, besides some of the names, was most seen in the um, was most seen in the Stovall Inn of Tomorrow, and their sign had was about you know Best Western Stovall Inn, the Wonderland of Topiary. Ooh. <laughs> and this actually is still there at the hotel today. Now, this hotel, Stovall's, and then its sister hotel, Pavilion, um, those are considered good neighbor hotels for for uh, for Disneyland. And a lot of people like to stay at those hotels, and it's pretty close. It's on Catella, but near Paradise Pier, on the opposite corner from the anim- no, the one that's over by the convention center. Tom said the name earlier. Anyway, Annabella. Annabella. It's close yeah. to the Annabella. And you can walk, a lot of people will walk up Disneyland Way through Grand Californian when they're staying at those hotels. But the Stovall's Inn, Nancy will tell you a little bit more about it. It's still there today and it still has the Topiary Garden. Yep. That they have and there. it still has some of the. Um, Reminiscence of the inside. The reason it was called the Inn of Tomorrow because it was one of those many hotels by I think was the other one, the Astro Hotel, that were influenced by Tomorrowland. So you've got these great themings happening. And the picture of this hotel when you open the windows was just so wild. There were these giant like tinfoil animals hanging from the ceiling. Like an elephant with a big bubble around his head. Yeah. yeah, that's what I liked about all of the animals that were like floating from the ceiling. Supposedly, had these air bubbles, bubbles like astronauts, like they were gonna <laughs> fly off somewhere. It was so bizarre, and it was like a silver theme in the lobby. And, and they had all kinds of uh, stuff basically built into the wall. They had a whole section of a built-in. I don't know if it was mural or what it was, but that's still there today. And they've kind of muted it down a little. Um, they aged it down, Charlie said. Yep. And uh, and the other interesting thing about their topiaries, which are still there, is that you know how Disney, you always see the wireframes, and they just kind of mm-hmm. grow it up into the wireframe, and then they, they trim it? These are still maintained by a gentleman named Jesus, and none of them have any kind of wireframes. They are completely traditional topiaries. And there are all kinds of animals. They have like eight hippos by the pool in one section. Dan- dancing hippos. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, wild, still there, very 1950s. And another cool thing that he told us about Stovalls is that... Um, one thing about Charlie Phoenix that we found out in his talk is he's a person that wherever he goes, he's not afraid to ask questions. And so whenever he goes any place, he'll ask, you know, why is the window like this? Why do you have this light fixture? I mean, he just goes into all these details, things that we probably wouldn't notice he does. Well, he had gone to Arizona, I think, and he had um, met up with Shaq, and he'd seen him a few times. And he was telling Shaq about these this pr- um, talk he was going to do in Anaheim land and Shaq said well oh you know I have this house in Tustin and Charlie Phoenix was I'm thinking I'm going to talk about Anaheim not Tustin but he he was trying to be polite and so Shaq showed him pictures of this house and the house was this huge mansion and by looking at the windows the, the stained glass window that they had there Charlie Phoenix figured out and he did some research that was Mr. Stovall's own house that he had in Tustin. Ah. And wow. there was an interesting glass block, stained glass window set in the Inn of Tomorrow. In is that, that it was like, Western. Yeah, they were like uh, colored bricks of glass, of green. And they're, you know, upside, you know, they're, they're both vertical and horizontal stacked in the window shape. And there's uh, this... This glass window is in the lobby at the Stovall at the Stovall Inn, and so when he saw these glass windows and topiaries at this house, he decided to do some research, and he he found out that it was um, Mr. Stovall's own residence. So you know, just funny how things work out when you're you know doing these things. And so he showed us pictures of the house, and I thought that was a really interesting um, bit of trivia. He also. Um 
did some stuff where he drove around Anaheim to see what was still there for a few things. Like, for instance, there's a florist and um, a couple restaurants, like the original chalet, chalet pancakes and steaks and the Miss Donuts, um, which was built into an original Baskin-Robbins I can't remember the name for it. It was just one of those real small Baskin Robinses that was built in an A-frame style, kind of like the IHOPs that everybody yeah. knows. That uh-huh. building was an IHOP once upon a time. Yeah, these are the original styles of all of the Baskin Robbins, thirty-one flavor um, buildings. They had that that A-frame back when all they the were like through. twenty-seven flavors. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and you can still go to Miss Donuts. You can still go to um, what was the name of the pancake restaurant? It was called the Pancake House, and it's oh, called the right. original, the, the original, original pancake. pancake House. And he went into great detail about the the original Pancake House. It's one of the um, the local, you know, like diff- it's it's one of the places that the locals go to just because the food is is good. And he, it's it's some place he always goes to. And he also um, he also I didn't know this, but the original Carl's Jr. restaurant um, that started the whole chain and everything is is in. Uh, Anaheim. Yep, it's a Carl's restaurant. Another um, another thing he uh, mentioned was that also, and this is completely off off track, but not quite. He <laughs> mentioned well, he mentioned that you know he was talking about comfortable shoes in Disneyland and things like that. Vans shoes were developed in Anaheim as well. I think, he and said they were developed kind of during that era. Yeah. He said 1966, and uh, their uh, output was 12 pairs a day. So just interesting, a couple interesting trivia bits. They drove a lot around a little bit further, and they found this giant, large, humongous Australian fig. You know you know the kind of tree, the tree with the kind of roots that, um, what was it, in Jurassic Park or something like that, where the kids are you know, hiding in between these giant, tall, rooted, exotic trees. Anyway, um, there's one of those. And apparently, this is the same tree that in 1962, um, Walt Disney sent sent Imagineers to go look at this tree, and that's what they built the uh, Swiss Family Robinson treehouse off of. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, called, it's, a, it's a Morton Bay fig tree. It's over 100 years old. So that was cool. So before we leave this entirely and go on to the next kind of branch of this, where we're going with this, I mentioned the candy cane. The candy cane is actually now found at the very back of Cars Land. In fact, the very back of their property is the back of the big, um, of, of the Cadillac Range. They still give out candy canes like they did in the initial days. Now, has, was it always the candy cane? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was wow. always the candy cane. And it's still owned by the original owner. Mm-hmm. Now, and he showed t- his pictures. I just want to, he showed his picture. He had a postcard of the candy cane inn when it first opened. And the reason why they call it the candy cane inn is because it opened on Christmas Day back in 1957. Nice. And it had a huge candy cane. It had, I think there were two of a them. A pair of them crossed, yeah. Yeah. It had a pair across and then the sign that said Candy Cane. I think in those days it might have been Candy Cane Motel, but whichever. And it had the entrance sign was on a slender candy cane. Yep. So it looks a lot different today, but it's owned by the same person. Um, this has the same owner. The original owner still owns the Candy Cane. And they call the uh, hotel managers called the hotel um, historian. That's what nice. they call them. Mm-hmm. So, when he kind of wrapped up some of the, you know, his talk on Anaheim, that was intermission. And, you know, we're kind of reeling from some of the fun things we saw. Then he came back and he sat us down and said, okay, let's let's go over Disneyland. Let's talk about some fun things we used to see in Disneyland back then. And also... Um, some of the changes that occurred in the 50s and such. So the first slides he pulls out on Disneyland are meant for us to see all the changes in Disneyland. He looked at things like early design 
how the character costumes developed. And those are always fun pictures. Oh my god, yeah. Hmm. Oh, and you know, if you want to do snarky snarky critique, man, you can find a lot of things. Yeah. Like there was a mini that you could see had already been developed, but the Mickey was still like the nineteen twenty eight old Mickey from the very first year. Oh, he so the mini had gone. To, oh my god, and, and just. He he was beyond that, Nancy. It was it was like an underdeveloped Mickey. It was like a homemade Mickey Mouse. It was it, not it, what did what did um, what did somebody say? They look like the ones found on on Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Minnie Mouse looked like an earlier version of Minnie Mouse. Mickey, you know how he wears those shorts with the yellow uh, the yellow dots on his shorts? They, one was higher than the other. And his eyes were like it was like a cloth face. Yeah, it was definitely like, like a, a an old. It looked like one of those old stuffed animals that you have still from your childhood in a box somewhere where like you slept with Wayne it so like much it all got matted. Yeah, oh, that that Wayne liked at California Adventure. I think that that was tell the story that the original Mickey and Minnie characters. They didn't. They didn't have them, so they didn't have the costumes. So they borrowed them from the ice capades. <laughs> right. Back in that, you know, back in fifty five. That could have been it because it looked like they had the the tops were black leotards. Yeah. 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 So, and what was interesting as we went through this, he also um, covered that for other areas of the park too, and. From the slides he was showing, a couple of the areas that seemed to be really the most affected by the era were Tomorrowland and Frontierland. Of course, everybody likes to show the pictures throughout history of um, the Tomorrowland space guy, and then when the Tomorrowland space guy got a girlfriend, and how the costumes kind of changed in the middle of it. And so that was fun. The capes, the not capes, the silver lame, the pink satin, you know, it just kind of went from there. One of the other things that was important for this is how the how the the retro thinking, you know, what we would think of as retro thinking, the 1950s way of thought, definitely um, prevailed during that day, during that time. You know, they didn't have the safety regulations we have now. They didn't have the you know litigious society we have now. So a lot more, a lot of things were more. Um, Interesting, shall we say? Yeah. For instance, he opened up talking about Frontierland with a slide of Tom Sawyer Island and the burning cabin. Now, we all know today Tom Sawyer Island's burning cabin is now Mike Fink's home, and it doesn't burn anymore. But back in the day, not Mike only Fink did would it be sad. I know. <laughs> back in the day, not only, and from the picture, I was just, just kind of laughing and there was an actor who was hired, a cast member was hired to play a dead settler. And with he an laid there with an arrow out. sticking out of his nice. chest. Oh, my word, really? Yes. I want to be that cast member. And then right across and then right across from that section of Tom Sawyer Island was all like the Indian village because that was yeah. owned by um, where... Critter Country. Every, Critter, yeah, country, Critter is. country is now. Interestingly enough, too, there was a bridge there. Yeah, it was there so was cool. a bridge over water that led you into that section. Before New Orleans Square was built, they had a bridge that went over because remember the waters from Jungle Cruise um, and the waters from Rivers of America is it's the same waterway. So in those days, there was a bridge going over the river. Um, that led you to the um, the Indian village, and of course, when they built uh, New Orleans Square, they they changed the whole structure. But I, I think Nancy and I were both struck. He was talking about something else, and we're I, I know I was pointing out to Kelly as like, Kelly, there's that bridge, you know, that we used to walk yeah. over. So was it like where where was it placed? I mean, in it is actually placed exactly where the Splash Mountain Bridge is. Or, you know, the bridge over the Splash Mountain catch ramp? Gotcha, okay. When Splash Mountain was put in, that section of the waterway went underground. And there used to be a magazine called E-Ticket Magazine, and 
they've gone and they've um, closed the magazine now and sold everything to Diane Disney for the Family Museum. But they did an article once about what they called the dark water system, as it was known, and how not only are those two waterways connected, but the moat to the castle is connected to it and a few other things as well. So it's kind of crazy how the water flow works. And this was all designed by Admiral Fowler, Fowler's Harbor, because that's where they dock the riverboat and the pirate ship is in Fowler's Harbor, the dry dock. And he was also the guy who um, was in charge of the Panama Canal project. He was a buddy of Walt Disney's. And he also designed the waterways and canals down in um, Disney World. So kind of an interesting, weird tie-in. But, yeah, there was a bridge right over this place where the waterway, where the catch ramp for Splash Mountain is now. Go figure. Who knew? The other point was the Indian Village. You know, that's something you definitely wouldn't even think about seeing today. You know, with the Tom Toms and and people posing with a fellow Indian, you know, with Indians and um, the tribal dancing and and all that. Also, you could see in those same pictures, angled back to where Big Thunder is now and and the walkway back to Big Thunder Ranch. That was where the pack mules and the stagecoaches went through. And on. He was saying about how they had to um, close down the stagecoaches because they kept falling over. Can you imagine being in the stagecoach and they tip <laughs> over when you're in it? Not and, so. And people was, sat on top of the stagecoaches, too. This was, pre, this was pre-lawyers, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he also talked about how they tried to put animatronics in on the mule ride and how it was a huge epic fail. Because apparently there was one part where, what was it? It was supposed to be a, not a rabbit, a, what was it, Mary I thought he said, um, wasn't it a ram? A ram, yes. Okay. It was a ram. And they tried, put this audio animatronic ram in, and the ram was supposed to kind of come towards the path. It was going to jump at the path. Yeah. And apparently it spooked, it spooked the mules. And they all ran away. So, oh, dear. <laughs> so they decided that that wasn't going to work. So no animatronics <laughs> on the uh, pack mule, on the pack mule ride. But it was so much fun to, to look at these. You know, Charlie uh, Phoenix, is, as Nancy had said earlier, he's a, quite a funny guy. And he has this running commentary with all these pictures. He had all of us in stitches. And... At the same time, showing us this, the these photos that we t- no, we normally don't have an opportunity to see of um, the yeah. di- of the Disneyland back in the early fifties or mid fifties rather in its early years. It, it was just really really fascinating and and fun to watch. But there's more that we saw. So go yep. ahead, see. He kind of moved over into like Fantasyland towards Tomorrowland, and. Back then, the teacups are actually were actually where the carousel is now, and the carousel was back farther where Dumbo is now. Uh, One of the or cool somewhere things. along a straight line, somewhere in there. No, they, it actually, was all. It was actually teacups are where the carousel is, and the carousel was between the teacups and the castle. It was like shoved in there. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. The Chicken of the Sea uh, pirate ship is where Dumbo is. Dumbo to- is. Yeah. yeah. Right. One of the cool things he was showing us is he was showing us the Skyway, and he showed us the he showed us aerial views from the Skyway of Disneyland before there was a Matterhorn. Uh-huh. So it was so cool. So then he showed us where what was there before the Matterhorn was there, which was a big pile of dirt and then some mm-hmm. whatever those well, big bowls are called. At. And then he moved down. To, he moved to ground level, you know, with the chicken and the chicken of the sea, which um, it was a big pirate ship. It was a tuna sandwich restaurant. Basically, once again, affected by the the thing of the day. How many of us older, you know, mid-generations had tuna sandwiches all the time in our paper yeah. sack lunches with no ice? <laughs> yeah, and you survived. Yes. Darn tuna. And because, you know, he focused in on the, the 
um, the Chicken of the Sea pirate ship, he had to show us some cast members related to it. And they actually had a dressed up peg leg pirate who really did have a peg leg. Can you believe that? It was just wow. it was people posing with him and it was the pirate with a peg leg. So that's and not something that we see today either. He also then moved to things like the background decor, you know, because Disneyland wasn't as lush. It wasn't as, you know, full and decorated. Granted, they did paint the trash cans even back then. The pa- the trash cans were all um, done up, so that's a, a since the beginning. But one of the things they didn't have was a lot of overhead decoration. They look like used car lot pennants. Yeah. It, it's exactly the same style of pennant, very 50s. Um, strings and little flags and uh, little banners. Yeah, little banners. Chinese lantern, Chinese style lanterns. And this was in Tomorrowland, the the look of the mm-hmm. future. So that was fun, fun to see. And of course, like I said earlier, he um, he had to point out how the spaceman had modified over the years, and then there was his picture of now spaceman and and space girlfriend probably gotten married and had a frontierland (laughs) child boy (laughs) frito bandito they were taking pictures with the little boy who was obviously very influenced with the frontier thing was wearing a cowboy hat but the way they were posed they were posed in that mom dad you know that that nuclear family mom dad kid pose was very strange but you know what? Tom just brought something up. He said Frito Bandito. And that brings us back to Frontierland before we go back to Toronto. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yep. How could I have forgotten? I know. That was such a cool tidbit, right? Well, we all know that they had the Frito, um, they had the Frito house restaurant there. Casa de, Casa de Fritos. Uh-huh. Casa de Fritos. Thank you. And that is where the Dorito was actually invented. In 1964. And really? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And now yeah. it's Taco Bell Taco. I love the Doritos. It, it, it was just, and, and what he said is, you know, back in those days they had extra tortillas, so they cut them in triangles, fried them up, dipped them in, uh, in, in uh, enchilada mm-hmm. sauce, and then baked them. And then they served them to the people. And from there, Frito came up with the, uh, with the Doritos. So that's some, some, you know, Disney has affected the whole world. I, in in for, ways that they don't even know. For the better. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of? I wouldn't want to live in a world without Doritos. Doritos. Wow, I can't wait to tell people that. And then what they're going to say is they're going to be like, okay, I know, Mr. Disney, you think. No, it's true. It's true. Nancy, making that that up. year again? It was 1964, you said? 1964. Cool. So, so tell them that. Oh, and how could we forget fishing off the dock in Tom Sawyer Island? Yeah. They actually gave people fishing pole. You know, you could go and get a fishing pole, and you'd fish off the dock, just like Tom Sawyer. And they would package the fish for you to carry the rest of the day. Because of course, they <laughs> did they have lockers back then? No. What people would do, they they people would forget their fish on rides. Mm-hmm. So you know, you'd be riding on. You know, he gave us the example of Peter Pan. You're riding on the ship, and London stinks like fish. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they kind of did away with that activity. Well, London does, never mind, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and bringing back a, a retro thing, now that you mentioned Peter Pan, Peter Pan used to actually be a female. A, yeah, a young a young lady played Peter Pan. So um, it was it was a bumpy oh, Peter Pan with a... Excuse me? In the parks? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow, okay. Well, that, I mean, because that's... Of, that's typically what it is when they do Peter Pan on stage. So, right. So it, I'd be I'd be interested to know when. Uh, so if any of our listeners out there know when he had a Peter Pan transitioned to be male, <laughs> yeah. that w- that would be very helpful. You know, send that to us at dealpodcast at wdwinfo dot com. I you don't know, think another- a throw bet would be good. good no. For that. <laughs> And, and another thing that he mentioned that uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of our Disneyland uh, listeners know is that the uh, – Yeah, if you go to that thread that we have on the Disneyland board. 
But uh, the Golden Horseshoe is the most performed show ever. Uh-huh. They went there, so Golden he was Horseshoe one of the yep. things he was telling us. And Nancy and I were like, "Yes, we need." And that, and that, and that building is actually a direct replica of the saloon used in the movie Calamity Jane. So that's another interesting thing. Well, that's one of two buildings in Disneyland that's actually a direct replica. The other one is that um, City Hall at Disneyland is actually a replica of the Fort Collins, Colorado City Hall. Huh. Something I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty. That was a nice little little um, note that he said that. Speaking of speaking of Main Street, while while we're thinking of it, this is going to be like free association the rest of the rest of it so. probably. So I think we're going to like drive Tom absolutely blanco. <laughs> but he had pictures of the streetcar having a sign up by the driver that said ten cents for the fare. I so that, that it used really to cost cool. actually mm-hmm. ten cents to ride the streetcar at Disneyland. And he had pictures of Bobby Cops, you know, turn of the century American policemen wearing the long coats and everything. It's Disney security. See, that's morphed into Disney security. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if they were, you know, security or what, but they actually had people portraying well, Bobby, uh, Bobby Cops. Yeah. It, it might be like Officer Blue that's in on Buena Vista Street today, you know. So was was it a a, a cast member? Actually, in, performing security, or was it a that's what we don't atmosphere? Know. That's we don't what we don't know. know. So, if anybody does know that, let us know. Okay. Yeah. My my one last Main Street thing was that they actually sold plastic flowers on the little side street. I think that's the side street that that leads off to the lockers and the and cone the shop. Ice, yeah, and the cone shop. And you could actually buy plastic flowers. Cool. That was neat. Okay. Well, one of the things that I saw that I thought was kind of neat was when he was telling us about the omnibus, and oh, yeah. he said that they had to register the omnibus, and so they actually had to drive it to the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles off the off property, and as he would stop at the lights, people were trying to get on, and he was <laughs> telling them, no, 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 this is not a bus for you to ride. If you want to ride, go pay $3.25 at Disneyland, and then you can ride this the omnibus. And that's how much it used to cost to get into Disneyland in those days, $3.25. So that was cool. But we're, let's, let's go back to Tomorrowland because there were more things he was telling us about Tomorrowland that I thought was pretty cool. Mm. Speaking of the, the decor, one of the fun things was, um, you know, they used to have a place in Tomorrowland called Art Corner. And I think Art Corner is where the pin shop is. Help me, Wayne. I don't know that one. I Art Corner, I think it's either where the pin shop is or where, um, or where, um... I thought, see, I thought it was on Main Street, but it, you're saying that it was... No, Art Corner was in Tomorrowland. Okay. And, um... Oh, yeah. And, and... You know, this was a place where the studio, in order to get rid of some of its, you know, large, large oh, stock of animation cells, sold them for, what, 50 cents a piece? Yeah. They were so cheap. Okay, God bless the Internet. When Disneyland opened, a temporary location for the store for the art corner was set up at the end of Main Street in a striped tent adjacent to the Red Wagon Inn. Remember, we talked about that. That's what eventually becomes Plaza Inn. Permanent location opened in late September 1955. Oh, thank you. Really early. Where does it it say it was in Tomorrowland? Does Does the reference you got say? It's either that or in the shop in Star... It was either like where Star Traders is now. No, he or said it's Street. No, but so that was temporary. The temporary. That was temporary. That's where it opened. And then it. Um, it just says located in the Tomorrowland area of the park. Ah. Okay. So car. Um. What? What was it? It was Carrama or. Um, Circarama or something. Sir, Sir Carrama. Yeah. Um. Was on the left, 
And straight ahead was the rocket ship, the TWA rocket to tomorrow. And on the right side was chemistry. Chemist- oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, on the right side where where they had um, adventures through inner space. Yep. Before that was um, something chemistry. The Hall of Chemistry. Monsanto Hall of Chemistry or something? Yes. Yeah, Monsanto Hall of Chemistry. So it was tucked in there somewhere. The thing I thought was funny was, you know how we all go to carnivals and there's always those boards where you stick your head through, you know, like on the at the beach, you know, or at the zoo, they always have those. Yeah, they used to have those for characters, and they were used to advertise for the art corner. And so you'd be walking along, say, you know, what we think of as the pathway back to Tomorrowland, and here's this little, this little cutout stand, and you go stick your head in, and all of a sudden you're dopey, or whoever. Yeah, I really. I <laughs> Just as an example, okay. Just, yeah. yeah, and one of the I thought was funny is they had, I think it, I'm not sure what character it was. Uh, I don't think it was Mickey, but it was a a character that Pluto was licking, and so when they stuck their head in there, they had to uh, have this look like. Oh, dog, dog licking. <laughs> yeah, dog kissing. But it was just really cute. Like Nancy said, it was to um, promote the art corner. Now you said so that, that the first half was how Disneyland affected Anaheim, and the second half was how Anaheim affected Disneyland. What what did he show you that how Anaheim has affected Disneyland? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, false let, advertising. Let us- well, no, at the be- that was like his introduction. Okay. Was basically how Anaheim and Disneyland were both came up. Um, I think it was mostly how the era, right? How the retro era affected Disneyland. Okay. And you know, because let's face it, Anaheim was a very 1950s area. It was 1950s rural when they started, and it became 1950s suburban when it finally got its teeth in. And so, you know, you see those changes in, like in decor, like what we were saying with what we view now as used car lot flags. Only only used car lots are cheap enough to have those things strung up. That was considered a a fabulous decoration in the 50s. So, one of those things. But, oh, here, prime example, the view liner. I had never seen that before until he showed it to us. Love and what did he thing. say? Isn't the view liner had yeah. had like the handlebar, uh, the the door handles were were like Chrysler door handles. Yes, and it had yes. like a you could well, see the nose of a you could see the nose of a car in the view liner, and you could see in the back end of the view liner, you could see how it was like the rear. But it was a train. Car. But, but it, it was, was a, train. a train on rails. And then it was, you know, and it was also completely on the ground. And, you know, we think about the monorail, which was its, you know, which was its, you know, its child. And the monorail is completely lifted up. So it's kind of just a really interesting view. Now, let me see if I've got this right. Because he also showed us the phantom boats, right? They were like the Batmobile. Yeah. Yeah. With the fins. Yes. They were so, and one of the things is they had a cast member because I had always heard about the Phantom boats and I always thought of them more like they were the motor boats. But no, they had a cast member actually driving the boat, so there'd be two people sitting in it and a cast member um, steering oh. it. Oh, seriously? And, yeah, no wonder it only lasted eleven yeah. minutes, right? And yeah. so, um, what I'm thinking is they had that where the submarine lagoon is now. Am I correct? And they had the view liner in the same actually area. Actually, the dock for it, if you go back by Small World, you know how there's that little bit of waterway right there? Okay, by so, the, the, so the motorboat. That was the dock for the Phantom Boats. That okay. little, Mary Jo's right. Where the submarine lagoon is is the lake where the Phantom Boats were. It, okay. it was all tied together. The motorboat area, the old motorboat ride, be- way before the submarines and the submarine lagoon, that's where the Phantom boats okay. were operating. Now like, I now I can see it. Go ahead, Wayne. Because, I'm sorry. You know, we we're so used to that area being 
ground. You know, we're we're used to the the monorail being up and the the Autopia being right there as we walk along the path around the Matterhorn. Yeah. And speaking of the Autopia, one of the shots he showed us was the outer edge of the Autopia, and. You can see this from the monorail, but you know the way they've got everything grown up and grown up now. You can't tell. But here's the Autopia, and what appears to be like 20 feet away from the edge of the Autopia is Harbor Boulevard as a two-lane road. Yeah. And there's a there was a little picture of a little little truck driving along it. And it's like I looked at Mary Jo and I went, "That's Harbor." Yeah, that was really. Because that, that right was... there, there really wasn't a berm. If you think about where the train goes through these days, the berm, the train isn't riding on top of the berm. The berm is really on the other side now. They've, they've made it to Block Harbor. Oh, but yeah, every right. other place, the train's riding on top of the berm. Well, be- because Autopia is built on top of... A show building, right? It's uh, the Autopia right now is on top of the submarine. Show yeah, it's top of the submarines. Yeah, but since the submarines weren't there, okay, they, now it took different pathways. Yeah. It did. The Autopia has been rerouted a couple of yeah. times. Well, and there used to be two Autopias. Right. right. There yes, was a there was a fantasy land. land. Yes, exactly. Yep. I remember that, Wayne. So let me ask you: For Viewliner, used to be is that where the submarines are today? I need to look at the map. I don't think so because okay. the viewliner. I wanted to say that the viewliner had a path similar to where the monorail is now, but it's not exact. There's a good shot of Walt in the viewliner, and I think he's right next to the train. So at one point, those tracks must have been very close to each other. This part of Tomorrowland has been redesigned several times. And well, so, I, what amazes me is there's hardly any trace of that, yeah. except for in little things like point. the boat, like the boat dock. You know that everybody yeah. goes down. It used to be a smoking section. It's right behind the the Alpine Snacks. Well, Edelweiss Snacks. Edelweiss oh, Snacks. It's called it's called Fantasia Gardens. That right. Area. Even yeah. today, it's really hard to find the remnants of the old motorboat ride because that's all been filled in now. Yeah. Well, that piece of that canal, as you're as you're walking on that upper deck, you know, like when the Small World queue, well, where you were for for meeting Merida, the queue for meeting Merida up there, um, that where the Small World queue for the holidays um, goes up. There's a little piece of river, you know, that kind of curves off and goes around. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it goes yes. into nowhere, that, and that, that is a section. Yeah, that's a section. Uh, that's pretty much the only rail remnant. Exactly. Well, then, go ahead, Wayne. It, it also extended farther uh, on the other side of that of of the the dock area, the old dock area, which was the smoking area, which is now the um, Fantasia Gardens. Fantasia Gardens, right? And a non-smoking. It, there's no smoking down that area anymore. Correct. <laughs> that's another one of those great places you can go for quiet time. Oh, I love to go over there. Yeah, everything that he showed us was interesting. Of course, he showed us the um, the bump, the flying, floating flying saucers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he showed us those, and um, just the and and it's so funny too because of course back in those days the women wore dresses. So to see, he showed us from the opening of Disneyland through probably the late sixties. And so you see the difference in, in what people were wearing. Did you notice that too, Nancy? The hairstyles and the dresses. Oh my gosh! Yes. These. It was I, one of the pictures he showed. I I literally I'm like that. That's my grandmother. <laughs> she looked exactly like my like my grandmother. She wore her hair the same way. The outfit was the same. Just right down to a T. But yeah, it, and of course, then he, he kind of pointed out, you know, how the kids' shorts were, you know, you got into that 60s, really long legs with the really shorter shorts on the kids, and yet the moms are still wearing the big skirts and and stuff. Yeah, not a single pair of pants on a woman to be found. 
And then he um, finished up, uh, he showed us the, the slides, you know, that showed America the Beautiful and Carousel of Progress. And when he, when he showed us that, everybody, I think, in the room gave this big, long sigh because we, <laughs> we could, you know, our, our memories went back to actually watching that show and, and everything. And his whole delivery, I was, I really enjoyed. Um, the the whole presentation at first when he was just doing Anaheim, um, I thought, well, this is this is okay. I, I think this is interesting. And Kevin Kidney is the vice president of the Anaheim Historical Society, so he, he had a lot. Went of- around with him and and did most of the photographs to show some of these areas and stuff. We probably should mention for those new listeners that Kevin Kidney and J- Jody Daly are do a lot of stuff for Disney and they're, they do a lot of retro stuff and they des- they're designers basically. They do merchandise. But more recently, they're responsible for the design of the Sensational Parade. Yeah. So that retro look there you get for the Sensational Parade, they are the ones responsible for that. So that's how they got involved, I guess, with this. Is they're into the and retro And they are stuff. friends of the show. Right. So. Right, they were on it- the most recent podcast cruise. They sat in on our taping on yeah. the recent podcast cruise. Okay, now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Disneyland is their park. Right. And and their first love. So, you know, it was it was just funny. I went up to Kevin today when we got there, and I'm like, hi, I didn't really get to talk to you on the cruise. And he's like, Do you you're the for cruise? the Disneyland team. Oh, nice. So... So it was fun, and that um, was what he told I'll put us. A, a, we have a video of their presentation from the cruise, so we'll, I'll put that up on the show notes. So oh, that'd can, be that would be great. So you know yeah, who would, Kevin and Jody are. And we'll have a, a, a show notes link to Charlie Phoenix's site, too. And it was... It was cool, but, yeah. you know, it's it's a, a once in an occasional thing. It, you know, if you're in town at Disneyland and one of his things is going on, you know, and you're into retro, I would go see him. And if all fails, take a look at a few of his books on Southern California in the 50s because they, ha- they are chock full of photos and they have a lot of Disneyland photos in the back of them. So if you want to get a few glimpses... It's one way to do it. Excellent. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Mary Jo. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. 